the Data Driven Podcast, an I Hear Everything production. In this podcast, we explore how to transform your company and career through data-driven decision-making. Want to become a data storytelling aficionado? Then sit back, relax, and get ready to unlock the true potential of your data. Here's the host of the Data Driven Podcast, Dominic Bohan. Welcome to the Data Driven Podcast, where we dive deep into how to extract more value from your data, helping professionals transform complex data into compelling narratives that drive clear business decisions. I'm your co-host and the co-founder of Story IQ, Dominic Bohan. And today we're going to discuss how the best organizations use data to optimize procurement. Joining us is Adnan Karabek, who is the Senior Solutions Consultant at Workday, a leading provider of enterprise cloud applications. Workday applications for financial management, human resources, planning, spend management, and analytics which are built on artificial intelligence and machine learning at the core to help organizations around the world embrace the future of work. Workday is used by more than 10,000 organizations across the world and across industries, from medium-sized businesses to more than 50% of the Fortune 500 list. Yesterday, Adnan and I talked about data-driven decision-making in procurement. Today, we're going to continue our conversation and discuss dealing with dirty data. Okay, here's my conversation with Adnan Karabay, Senior Solutions Consultant at Workday. So Adnan, yesterday we talked about data-driven decision-making in procurement, and we touched briefly on the sort of dirty data that a procurement function often deals with, where you mentioned we might have hundreds of thousands, even millions of transactions, all from different suppliers, all in different formats. We need to then categorize them and package that up into an analysis telling us where is the money going into a simple report that a busy, time-poor executive can actually understand. So this is a classic situation of dealing with dirty data. Tell us some of the strategies that you've used to cope if you like, with working with these massive, dirty data sets. Hi, Dominic. It is great to be back, by the way. Thank you for having me again. So uh, how I dealt with that sort of situation in the past, it's typically just to set the scene, really, and to let our listeners understand, it's a very time-consuming activity, and it's very painful. It takes you lots of time. And if you have other shit to do during the day, it's going to be a late-night activity, and it's going to go into the night. It causes almost anxiety attacks, if I think about it, because most of those requests to analyze the data were also ad hoc, which meant you were doing all these other things and then your manager asked you for a specific report to send to the leadership team or a specific report outlining how much we're paying for X, Y, or Z, which often took ages to actually compile. And the process starts with getting the data out of your system. In order to get the data out of your system, you have to go through into your financial management software and download an extract from your from your financial cloud software from your financial software really it's your it's an extract from your profit and loss statement it's where the profit and loss or the PL statement is really a place where all your expenses and mm-hmm. incomes are recorded in your organization on an annualized basis the PL then flows into your balance sheet it just provides your at the end of the year if you have profit or if you have a positive number on the PL sheet it's a profit if you have a negative number it's a loss so do you get an extract out of your 
out of your finance software. It's mm-hmm. typically a long Excel spreadsheet with lots of columns and lots of rows. What you need to do is first identify the categories those spend items fall under. So typically you have the coding in those Excel spreadsheets is very specific on the, on the transaction. It's typically entered by the accounting department or by the business user who's consuming the services. They might not necessarily apply the same logic to categorizing that that you apply to that spend. Their view on that spend might be different to you. Just to clarify, Dan, for anyone that might have missed the first episode. So overall goal here is we've got all this data and we want to get to some simple categories, right, of spend. We want to put it into buckets of spend that will be meaningful to the business. Is that the goal? Okay, exactly. So if you think mm-hmm. about that's the goal. So if you're thinking about it, but if you're thinking about a business, you have typical expenses that you incur as a business. You, any professionals spend, professional services spent is spent to marketing, for instance, consulting, thing that involves professionals, so yeah, marketing, accounting, legal services, and any sort of things that we categorize in professional services would fall under. Then you have typically facilities or expense facilities, expenses for office supplies, you have expenses for travel. So think about what business needs to run its operations. All these expenses that you require from to run your operations are categorized into various buckets. And the reason we do that is just to be able to understand how much you spend for each of these categories. It's similar to when you make your budgets for your personal life. So when you look at your you look at what you've spent your money on, that could be dinners, nights out travel, party supplies. Uh, so, you want, so you might want to go. Sure. We might not in some cases. So we might just want to never find out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if we're accountable to the yeah, business world, we are going to have to. Categorize. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So if you're accountable to shareholders, if you people, if you're accountable to a board that wants to know how you manage your organization, what you're spending your money on, where you're getting your money from. So then you you need to do that. And in order to do that, you need to go through the spend items and really just put them into these categories. So you would have a on-premise solution, which is run on your systems and you can customize it. And you, the way you would then process the data out of those systems is by downloading a, a raw data extract out of the system. It didn't have a capability. It didn't have a data analytics layer on top of it. So it didn't provide you with the capability mm-hmm. to analyze analyze the data that sits in your right away. You had to take the data out of that system, bring it into Excel or any data analytics software and start manipulating data or understanding and looking into the detail and try to drive insights out of that data. And that's where all that categorization work comes in, for instance. So you have to go through the raw data and look for, go line item by line item and just put those spent items to various categories. Now, you have very, you have ways to help yourself doing that. So you could go through the description section of those line items, look at mm-hmm. the invoices really are. Can I just clarify? I, I think my memory of procurement is not so great, but typically the description that's captured in finance system is going to be free text. Is that still generally the case? That is generally the case. So you have the description, it's free text. It's there mm-hmm. to for you to describe 
mm-hmm. what that service is. So, yep. so you might have thousands of different people entering free text into this system. Exactly. And that's what I meant initially when we started talking about this. You have various businesses and they have a different view on that expense. So they might think something is a consulting service, for instance, whereas it would fall under the under the category of accounting services. It's somewhat similar. It's both professional services, but you do want to know how much you pay for management consultants and want to separate that from how much you pay for accountants because it might be you know, the outcome that you get from these two groups that the services that you receive are different. So you want to make sure that you compare apples for apples. So this is where it's really important to break down into the detail and understand what you're actually spending that on. So now if you have free description fields where people just capture small notes or you know mm-hmm. one-word descriptions of the services, that's often very difficult to then categorize categorize it appropriately, which then requires you to look into the invoice and see what the invoice is rendered for. So it makes it even more cumbersome because then you have to drill down into the next level of data, which is the actual invoice and look at, okay, what's that invoice for? So I just put it into the category. So if you think about that task, it's very difficult. It's very cumbersome. If you want to do it properly, it will take you a lot. Right. How is it even possible in a big company to go invoice by invoice? Let's say their free text data is really bad. My understanding of invoices is suppliers send them in in all different kinds of formats. There's no kind of standard structure. You're not getting a data extract or a CSV of all the invoices because they've all got different fields and different structures. How could we possibly analyze hundreds of thousands, say, of invoices and get them into a structured, clean, tidy, usable format. I mean, you wouldn't necessarily analyze 100,000 invoices unless your manager really hates you. Mm. I I started my career in management consulting and sometimes analysts would do that, would be tasked to go through invoice by invoice and look at what they were spending their money on. But that's really, I I mean, in a normal and business environment, you wouldn't necessarily do that. That's good to hear. You apply some sort of logic to it, like a Pareto principle where you say 80% of that revenue, 80% of what you're spending your money on is based on 20% of that expense, based on 20% of those suppliers. So you look at how you would categorize those suppliers, those 20% mm. suppliers, and it just reduces okay. the number of number of invoices, number of suppliers. Mm. It gives you a smaller data set to work with because you're satisfied with 80% of the overall spent, for instance. It's enough to make a decision on certain so, mm-hmm. so that's a great strategy. So we could just look at the big invoices. But since you were a junior procurement guy, let's say, maybe had a little bit of friction with your boss and you were asked to go invoice by invoice, there's surely no need to do that anymore with AI, with optical character recognition, oh, yeah. with all these sorts of tools. How could a business that wanted to drill deeper beyond just, say, their top 20% of suppliers use some of this technology to go from fairly unstructured, untidy data to a more usable data set? So what you mentioned is correct optical character recognition, or CR in short, is used to ingest invoices into those systems. They typically read out what these invoices are from where these invoices come from so you know the supplier company that rendered that invoice the services that were provided they're captured in the system you can just verify the information you don't have to manually type it. but even before that even before OCR the organizations would scan their invoice 
you don't necessarily go through the physical invoices. You can just look at PDF scans of the invoices, but it's still a tedious activity to go one by one. With SCR, you have the ability to structure that information. But what we do at Workday, for instance, we have AI built into onto mm. more platforms. So AI and the machine learning capability learns the type of expense that you're entering into the system based on the invoices that are coming in. And it, it the more data comes in, the more accurate it gets by predicting what sort of expense it is. So basically, when you go on to Workday today and you have a request for a service that you've a requisition that you raise against a particular supplier and you start typing in the services that you require the software will show you potential categories that might fall that might fall that spend might fall on so it makes it easy for you to choose the category that would fall under and it provides you with the top five categories that's closest to that expense ranked from one to five basically and the first ranked category is in most cases the category that spent falls under. You can just click on it, it'll select that category. It also makes it removes human error. So it's say even if you had the category right in the first place and you were to type it out, most people, you know, they don't really, it's an activity that doesn't take much time. So you don't want to spend a lot of time with it. So you just type it, people forget to, they have misspellings, different things in there. So you, and it makes it difficult to structure it later on. But with the machine learning capabilities recommended to you, so you can just select it's always the right spelling. It's always the right categories. It's so much easier. It saves you so much time and it saves the finance and procurement team so much time because they don't have to go back and verify what that invoice was for. They know what category to look at and they can just use that data and categorize it. But that's the difference to a software that's built in the cloud compared to a software that's that was initially built on-premise. So cloud is more about the location, how you access that data, but it's not about the architecture of that data because true cloud companies are built with cloud first. So that means they have the data or the data that they capture are built into the core of the solution. So you can analyze the data right from the solution. You don't have to go through batch processing where you download the data and analyze the data somewhere else. You can mm -hmm. it and analyze the data right in the core application and it's always live data. That's the true difference to a true cloud application as opposed to a cloud solution that was created later on. Now, couldn't we do that on-premise as well? Couldn't we add a layer so that we can access and process, manipulate, analyze the data in real time? Is that possible with an on-solution? Yeah, you, you can, but it would require you to change the architecture of how you capture that data within your system and how you relate that mm -hmm. data, which basically requires you as an on-prem provider to restart or recreate your solution because of the data relations that you built into the platform. So there is, the, you certainly have the option, but it's mm -hmm. a lot more, it's, it's a bigger tasks to transform your organization into a into a cloud application that has the core data built into the cloud and then the various relations. So the best way to illustrate that is the way you in the batch data, the batch data that you capture on your on-premise solution that goes into the cloud solution, you download it. When you say batch data, I'm not familiar with some of this terminology. So is this scheduled kind of download or extract? Yes, it's a scheduled or an ad hoc extract for a set time period. So you look at, you know, because you don't have the data analytics capability built into your solution, you have to download the data out of the data core 
where you save the data and feed it into your data analytics capability, which means you have a snapshot of that data of that time period that you're looking for. So then when you ingest it into your data analytics capability, it's old data because it's not real data, the real-time data. But if you have that layer built into your solution because you have built the data relations into your solution, so you have the analytics capability right into built into the core of your solution, you can manipulate live data right in the in there. You don't have to create a download of a set time period that you analyze. You can just work with the data that's ingested into your into the core of your application. It's interesting. I want to learn more here. So does it also mean that if we have the structure of our data set upright on the cloud that we'll be able to run queries faster. Not just we don't have to wait for a batch, but because it's set up and I'm just making up terminology here because I don't understand what goes on because the structures are set up in a more efficient way. That's exactly it. So you can write your queries or you can run your queries right onto the data core when you're in the cloud, when your data is built in the cloud, as opposed to run your queries analytics solution that works with a specific set of your data. Mm. So let's stay with that example. So we're looking at yep. an annualized data set, for instance, and on the, so we're looking, we're, let's say we're looking at current months to date data. So the months of June, where we have the 28th or 27th at the moment, we're looking at all the spend from the 1st of June to the 27th of June. If my data is not built into the cloud, so what I have to do is I just have to go into my solution and now download and extract from the 1st until the 27th. And I take that download and ingest it into my data analytics capability and start running queries. But it happens now that I created that download and the finance team just uploaded five new invoices or six new invoices. The actual number that I have downloaded is now old because it doesn't mm. account for the data that was just uploaded while I was downloading the data. So what happens when you're in, if you can query that data right in your cloud, is while you're running your queries and the finance team uploads data into the same cloud, you have real-time data available because just you, it will update the data as the invoices are uploaded. So if you look at it at this point of time, you have maybe 5 million of spend and then five minutes later, the invoices are uploaded and you have 5.2 million of spend. So the actual, the data is live and it's always accurate. Whereas with that batch data, now I have to go in and download again another set of data and ingest it into my data analytics capability to ensure that now the five invoices are considered as well. Right. Sounds like another task a nightmare boss might assign. Add down every 10 minutes, download another batch to make sure it's up to date. Pretty much. And that's why in some cases you might say it's not relevant or they're negligible because what is the, if you look at it from a months to months perspective, or if you look at an annual perspective, it might not make a huge difference. But think about a month's close activity. So if you close your accounts every month, typical organizations with old systems, they usually take multiple days to actually close their books because yep. they need to process the data. They need to look at the exceptions. Just it's not and there's multiple downloads created from the from the core data from the core data to understand what your actual position is but if you have a cloud application that has real-time data your month's close is just really immediate 
for, let's say you spend a little bit of time looking at your exceptions. So it might take you mm-hmm. one or two days, but it's there. The data is right there because it's available in real time. It makes it so much more faster and so much more convenient. Imagine that was your bank account. You would want to know. Yeah. If you're getting ready for a weekend out, you want to know Friday afternoon what the actual, what your balance is. You don't want to wait until Sunday to find out balance was on Friday. Well, great example. We've got the real-time benefits of a cloud-based solution. We started this conversation with dealing with dirty data, and we've come back to a similar theme to the last podcast, in a sense, of the way to deal with it is not have dirty data in the first place by capturing it in a way that's efficient, that's easy to query and access in real time, which I think is a very useful takeaway. Coming back to dirty data, let's imagine that people do not have a great enterprise level system in place and they are doing what we did earlier in our career, what some horrible bosses maybe made you do unnecessarily. They're dealing with data that it's too late, it's already dirty. What are some of the ways that they can clean it up and make it usable again? Data that already is in a system or data that goes into the system? Data that's already in a system. So let's say they don't have a great system like Workday, for example, in place. They're dealing with one of these older legacy systems. They've got one of these extracts as a CSV. It's in Excel. They've got hundreds of thousands. I keep coming back to this number of rows. And obviously it's not feasible. Even if they stay up all night drinking coffee, they're never going to get through all of these rows of data and classify them manually. What are some of the options that they can use to get to, you sort of mentioned before, an 80-20 or Pareto type solution that's good enough to use to take action? Yes, it's certainly just looking at your big ticket items it's looking at it's looking at your big suppliers because that's the way that's the easiest way you will any large organization will have a handful of suppliers that will provide most of the will make up most of the expense if you think about it if you think about any big organization today has a cloud solution or has a cloud software they pay for and they have cloud provider they, they make up most of their or a big chunk of their expenses you, you start with the top suppliers you look at What's the next layer? You first want to know what you're actually, where you want to get to. So looking at that data set is really important to have an outcome in mind or to have into a hard outcome in mind because you want to know where you're walking off to in order to get to the right place. But if, because if you don't know that, you can analyze that data for hours and hours and hours and you won't get a result. But if you're in there to look for a certain categories, then and you understand what these categories are typically comprised of or what vendors are play a big role in those categories, you'll look for those. So to give you to stay with that example of consulting, for instance, you have you have a handful of consulting firms that make the majority of the globally, then you have a few more that provide specific services or in the consulting space. So it's very it's easier. And I don't want to say it's very easy, but it's easier to categorize or to apply that lens on that to say, oh I'm looking at this set of suppliers and now I want to break it down. And then if there's any still gaps that I need to complete, then you might have to go line by line and look for the missing link, missing points. But if you start with the bigger picture, you know where you want to get to. And if you start applying that 80-20 rule, that's a big way to help yourself. And then obviously when analyzing that data, you should, and you're using Excel, you should pivot your data, you search for certain descriptions. You can, there are various ways to manipulate for that data set mm-hmm. and bring it structure it in a way yeah so without without going into the specific techniques it sounds like a lot of time can be saved by being very 
clear and precise about what we're actually looking for. So we'd never be in a situation of looking row by row because we figured out exactly what we need to look for. And it could be like a simple search function. I've done this before, right? Like literally just searching for some keywords could be a good starting point and then ranking that by dollar values to find the most important information. Exactly. That and that that's it. So you do have to, it's really important to know where you want to get to or what you want to get out of it. And I think that applies to any sort of data analysis. You need to know what you want to get out to. So, you know, what is it that you're trying to tell or what is it that you're trying to identify? If I put a presentation together and if I want to tell a story using the data that I just analyzed, I need to know what story I want to tell and I need to know how to best present it. If I talk about cost optimization, but I present a slide with lots a profit or in a very low cost ratio, it's not going to convince anyone of why I want to focus on cost reduction. And so if I'm analyzing a category and I'm, I want to convince my business stakeholders to go out to market to improve the cost in that particular category, I need to create a story around that. I need to tell them why we need to do that. And when I look at spent data, I need to identify, look for the data points that I need to support my support my claim that we're actually overspending in that category. So the way I do that is I look at my internal data, my spend, and then I go out to market and look at what the market actually comes up with pricing for that particular service. And I compare both and I tell the story of this is why you need to go out and look for a better provider or this is why you need to reduce your costs. So there's always you need to know that before you start embarking on a data analytics journey or analyzing your data because if you can go row by row, you can spend hours <laughs> and days, but it will not, it will not help help you in any way if you don't know what you're trying to so it's kind of funny, we've come full circle this episode and the last episode, which was more generally about how we can use data to inform decisions in procurement. And we've come back to the same basic theme of articulating upfront exactly what you're looking for, exactly what your goals. This is something that we go on about all the time in our courses at Story Ike. Start by asking the right questions and defining clearly what success looks like. And I think that's going to be useful for anyone that's working with data because it's so easy. I've done it so many times to get lost in the data, whether it's row by row or wanting to try the latest AI tools or the latest machine learning algorithms and thinking with the tools in mind, thinking with the process in mind rather than with the outcome and what's going to drive value. So I think some fantastic examples in both episodes, Adnan, of how we can do that specifically in the procurement space. So thanks for joining us on the podcast in the, the last two episodes. That wraps up this episode of the Data Driven Podcast. Thanks to Adnan Karabay, Senior Solutions Consultant at Workday for joining us. You can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes or visit his company website at workday.com. Just one link in our show notes that I want to tell you about if you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, head over to datadrivenpod.com, where we have summaries of all our episodes and contact information for our guests. And if you want to share your most compelling narratives with our audience of data storytellers, you can apply to be a guest speaker on the Data Driven Podcast. You can always reach out to us on social media. Our handle is StoryIke on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, or you can contact me directly. My handle on Twitter is at Bohan Dominic. If you haven't subscribed yet and want a steady stream of data-driven brilliance in your podcast feed, we're publishing multiple episodes each week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app. We'll be back in your feed tomorrow. That's all for today. Until next time, remember when it comes to data, less is more.